Well, it's good to be back with you. I appreciate Pastor Jason and Pastor Wiley uh, standing for me last Sunday. It's good to be back with you today. Thank you all for the break. Me and Brittany had a wonderful time, and we thank God for it. Everybody needs a little vacation, amen, from time to time. I was thinking, Friday, I need another vacation, you know. <laughs> there is a rest for the people of God, amen. And in this life, it's in Jesus, and one day soon, there'll be no more cares, no more worries, no more burdens to bear, amen. My, what a day that'll be, amen. It'd be wonderful, won't it, Nelda, over yonder, amen. I like it when we say it like that, over yonder, don't you? Far away from trials and tribulations and heartaches and worries, way over yonder, way over yonder. I don't really know where it is, but I know how to get there, don't you? I know that Jesus is the way. Amen. (laughs) He's gone to prepare a place for us, hasn't he? And since he's gone to prepare a place for us, he will come again and receive us unto himself. That where he is, that there we may be also. Amen. I don't really care where it is as long as he's there. Amen. Another way to describe it, I appreciate the title or the adjective. Either one works over in glory. I like that too, don't you? Over yonder in glory. (laughs) It'll be wonderful there. Amen. All right, let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Genesis chapter 12. While you're turning there, I failed to mention, uh, do continue to pray for... Pray for Zachary, that's uh, Waylon and Jackson's father. He's in the hospital trying to recover and do continue to pray for him. Oh, he's home, great, even better. He, okay, absolutely. Do pray for him. The Lord, he knows what we have need of even before we ask, amen. Yes, but keep praying for him and his family. We love them, don't we? We sure do, sure do. Thank God for them, what God's doing in their life. <clears throat> Genesis chapter chapter number 12. I might have said 11. Genesis chapter number 12. Young people, again, I want to encourage you to turn there. Genesis chapter number 12. Again, if you don't have a Bible, I, we can hook you up after service. We've got plenty of Bibles. We'd love to give you a Bible uh, if you don't have one. We'd love to give your kid a Bible even. If he or she don't have one, we want them to begin to learn how to find and to navigate to find truth and chapter and verse in the Word of God. Amen? We want them to get used to using it because they're going to need it. Amen? They're going to need the Word of God. They're going to need the Bible. All right, Genesis chapter number 12, verse number 5. If you're there, say amen. Amen. We're continuing on with the life of Abraham. Verse 5. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan came they. And Abraham passed through the land under the place of Sechem, under the plain of Morah, and the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed I will give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. Now God's already appeared to him once. So Abraham has now obeyed the word of God and he's in Canaan land. And as God often does, and he does it in our lives too, God comes along as Abraham is following and obeying the word of God. 
God comes along and He he reminds him of this covenant. He renews the covenant with him. And so he's reminding him, hey, you're here now, look, I'm going to give you this land. So God is encouraging his walk of faith. So already it's being rewarded, isn't it? It's already being rewarded. So Abraham followed God, and then the Lord, verse 7, appeared to Abram. And he reminded him and said, "Unto Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord, who appeared unto him, and he worshipped God there, as he should. In verse 8, the Bible says, And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west, and Hai on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord, and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeying, going on still still toward the south, and there was a famine in the land, And Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, thank you so much for our church family. Lord, it is a privilege to be here with you most of all. Lord, I pray that we become more and more authentic. And Lord, become that our worship and our Christian lives, this word and your gospel in our lives will become so much more relevant that we would draw closer to You and we would further be separated, Lord, from the world. And Lord, I pray that we love You more and we cherish You more and we cherish this time we have together that, God, we could hear a word from You, that we could settle in and we can hear what You have for us this morning. Lord, we are to be kept by this Word. And maybe someone here this morning is to be begotten by this Word and they'll be born again, saved by Your amazing Gospel through faith in You, Jesus. Lord, I pray that Your Word would be a great encouragement and a help to us. And it build up our church and sanctify us by faith through Your Word. We love You, Jesus. We worship You and praise You. In Your name we ask these things. Amen. Now, last week before last... I didn't really touch much on what's called as the Abrahamic Covenant. But it's important and it's relevant to this story, this this passage, this narrative in Abraham's life. Now we'll find the Abrahamic Covenant in chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And you notice there's three parts to it. And it's important that we have some understanding about it because it has a lot of relevance to the text that we have before us this morning. So here's the Abrahamic covenant. Here's the covenant that God made with Abraham. Verse 1 of chapter 12. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Verse 2. I will make thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Now this covenant is in three parts. Verse number three, if you'll notice, the, one of the parts of the covenant is, is blessing and future redemption. So God says, here's the covenant I'm making with you, Abraham. I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to take care of you, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed, speaking of the redemption that is going to come through Abraham's seed in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. The second part of this covenant is Abraham's going to have descendants. He's going to have children. Verse 2, we find it. And God says, I will make thee a great nation, and I will bless thee. So, Abraham, you're going to have a bunch of kids. Now, Abraham, remember, has no kids yet, and he's getting older. He has no children whatsoever. So God promised something to Abraham before Abraham has never seen it. 
And, the, and the, fir, the, the third part of the covenant is found in verse number 1, and it is a land covenant. Remember in verse 1, God said, Get thee out of thy country, so leave your land, and from thy kindred and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And God does end up telling Abraham the land that he was going to have. We'll find that, and we might get there. Genesis chapter 15, verses 18 through 21. And the land that God promised Abraham was a whole lot bigger than you might think. It goes all the way to the River Nile. It goes all the way from the River Nile east to the Euphrates River. It goes south all the way down to uh, about midway through modern-day Saudi Arabia. It gets half of Iraq, half of Syria, and even touches some of Turkey. So all of that land is the land that God promised Abraham. It's a whole lot bigger than what it is now. Hey, and God's going to get all of his land back. Amen? It all belongs to him. And so when Abraham, though, when he enters into the land, so this is a grand covenant God made with Abraham. This is a, God is offering Abraham land and family and blessings. But the problem is, is that Abraham enters into the land relatively unnoticed. And this is the land that God has promised Abraham. And Abraham hasn't received any of it even in his lifetime yet. Matthew Henry, the great commentator, said that he came with no observation to the land and little notice is taken of him. And now remember the covenant at this point, Abraham, though, is childless and Abraham is homeless. And it doesn't look like he's very blessed, does it? He doesn't even have any land. The Canaanites own the land. It's not even his by deed yet. So at this moment in Abraham's life, he's entered into a land that he's a stranger, but God says, I'm giving you this land, and he's a stranger in it. So he's, he's, he's homeless, he re, he's living in a tent. If you've got a house, say amen, praise the Lord for that. He's living in a tent, he's homeless, and he has no children. He's childless, he's homeless, and he looks to be that he's not very blessed. If you saw Abraham and his clan coming from Haran and from the Ur of Chaldees into Canaan land, they wouldn't look like much at this point. But God has promised him all these blessings and all these children and all this land. So there's an application here, and I want you to hear me here. At this moment in Abraham's life, you cannot yet tell what God is going to do in Abraham's life. But God has promised Abraham all these things. And so what that means for you and I is, is that you can't judge what God is doing by what you see. So whatever you're going through today, that's not a good judgment or a good determining factor of what God is going to end up doing with your life. So if you look at Abraham and what Abraham sees, he's homeless, he's childless, and he appears not to be very blessed, but God says, I'm going to make you a great nation, you're going to have all kinds of kids, and I'm going to give you all this land. So we need to put that in our lives, and what God wants us to know is that what you're facing today in this moment, you can't say that what you see is not really what God is going to end up doing in your life. So you can't go on what you see today, because what, what you see today is not a determining factor what God can do in your Christian life. You also can't go on what you feel today. I bet Abraham was tired, I bet he was wore out, I bet he was apprehensive, I bet he was confused, I bet he was nervous, had all these feelings, right? Those feelings at that moment had nothing to do with what God had in store for Abraham's future. 
So you can't go on what you see today. I don't know what you're facing this morning, but if you're a child of God, God has a brighter day for you yet tomorrow. Amen? Ultimately, in glory over yonder. Amen? And sometimes we get caught up in what we see, and we get caught up in how we feel, and if we just judged off, if we made a decision today, I don't feel good, and what's going on around me don't look good, you would probably, the temptation is to say, it, it's not good, and it's not going to be good. But you cannot make a determination on future blessings and the promises of God based on what you're going through at this moment. So Abraham, he you can't base it on what you see. You can't base it on how you feel. You can't even base it on, on what you think today. You might think this is the worst day of your life. You might feel worse than you ever have. But if you're a child of the King, and you're a child, and by faith you're a, you're a Christian through the Lord Jesus Christ, thank God this is not your worst day. Amen? God has a better day for you. Amen? Why, it's no wonder Christians have joy in this life, I've told you before. It's not because we're naive. It's not because we don't have bad days. It's not because our life on earth sometimes doesn't fall apart. It's not because of this life that we have joy. It's because in spite of this life, we know we have a better country to go to. Amen? In spite of what I see, and in spite of how I feel, and in spite of what I think, Jesus said, if you believe on me, I will give you everlasting life. And where I am, there ye may be also. I'm reminded even right now, Philippians chapter number 1, is it verse number 29, I think it is, where the Word of God says that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the coming day. He will finish the job. Amen? So we're not going on what we see, because it don't look good. Abraham's childless, and he's homeless, and he's a stranger in a land of promise. And he, it, it might not, he might not feel good, but that has nothing to do with the promise of God. How you feel, or what you see, or what you think, as a child of God, has absolutely nothing to do with future blessings and future promises that God who cannot lie, is yea and amen, and will keep his word. Amen? <clears throat> now, it also applies to the other way. There's a lot of people, maybe here some this morning, who they, they're unsaved, but life is pretty good. They're lost, but things are going great. They're not a Christian, and they have everything the world could ever give them. You also can't go on what you see today and what you feel today and what's going on today and to think that, that what's happening in your life right now is a determining factor on what it's going to be tomorrow or 10 years from now or 100 years from now. You can have all the money in the world and live longer than any human being has ever lived, but if you don't have the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to die spiritually bankrupt and, and bust open a devil's hell, and you'll, there you'll be forever and ever. It don't matter what today is. It matters what God has promised. That's what matters. Amen? So it don't matter what Abraham sees. It don't matter what Abraham feels. It don't matter what Abraham thinks. God has made a covenant with Abraham. Listen, God keeps His Word. Amen? The Word of God says in the New Testament that He is immutable. It means that He is unchanging. 
the 13th chapter of Hebrews, it says he's the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. I was thinking while I was singing with the choir that day that I got born again, I had no idea how great that day was. And still yet, I have not seen nor ear heard the wonderful things that God has prepared for those who love him. Amen. And I know, according to Romans 8.28, that all things, all things, not that all things are good, but all things work together for the good. Amen. And Paul the Apostle said in the book of Thessalonians that we can give thanks in all things, not that everything is necessarily wonderful, but we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God and called according to His purpose. Amen? The point is, the good work that He began, He will complete it. Amen? And it doesn't matter what you face or your hardship today or your dilemma today, if you're a child of God, He has prepared a place for you, and when He comes again, so shall you be with Him. Amen? Amen. It's wonderful, isn't it? The day that I got born again, I had no idea how amazing that was, but I can say, can't you, Brother Bryson, that since that day, it is true, he has never left us nor forsaken us, but he's gone with us thus far. Amen? And I'm 41 years old now, and I can find no hardship, no difficulty, no dilemma, no bankruptcy, no health crisis, nothing. No peril, no sword, no hardship, nothing in this life that can separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He is faithful, that promised. Amen? I think even right now, praise the Lord for this amazing verse. John 5, 24, verily, verily. What does he mean by that? You better listen to this. It's very important. It is very true. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he who heareth my word and believeth on him who sent me. Now you listen to the word of God, and if you're a Christian, you take hold on this right here. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever heareth my word and believe on him who sent me shall not come into condemnation. Amen? And Paul the Apostle in Romans chapter number 8, verse 1, Therefore there is now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation now. There'll be no condemnation later on. It don't matter what you face as a Christian. It don't matter your hardship. It don't matter your diagnosis. It doesn't matter your financial situation. David said, I've been young and I've been old. And I've never seen, I've never seen, I've never, ever, ever seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Have you? I've never seen it. I've never seen a child of God in this life be overcome with anything that can rob them of eternal life. I've never seen it, have you? And I remember Brother Abraham, Father Abraham, is teaching us how to live by faith. And he's walking by faith. And the only reason he's in Canaan land, now pay attention, the only reason he's in Canaan land is because of the Word of God. And he's simply obeying. He's not going to find a better life situation. As a matter of fact, in verse 10, remember, there's a serious, grievous famine in the land. He's not going there to get rich. He's not going there to get comfortable. He's going there through the obedience of the Word of God. If you study some archaeology, and I hope you do dig around a little bit in the dirt, pun intended, you'll find that the Ur of Chaldees was a very civilized and sophisticated civilization. But the Canaanites, notice in our text, it was verse number 7, that verse number 6, that the Canaanite was in the land then. That is an interesting addition. 
God wants us to know that there's, the Canaanites were notoriously, generally speaking, rather barbarous. They were a pagan group. They wasn't civilized at all. They didn't eat gourmet food. They, didn't, they weren't very dainty. They were a very vicious society filled with paganism. They practiced human sacrifice. They worshipped idols. Not the place really, hey, Sarah, let's move to Canaan where it's swell. They have a wonderful school district there. And our child, we don't even have a kid, Abraham. Well, when we do, God promised us a child. And I think it's not this like we would do. Here's what we would do. Hey, since God's promised us a child, let's make sure our life on earth is as comfortable as it can be. That's not the way Abraham thought. Abraham quit thinking. Abraham started obeying the word of God. He stopped thinking. Remember, it doesn't matter what you think. It don't matter how you feel. It don't matter what you see. So Abraham gets to Canaan land, and it's not civilized. He's childless and he's homeless. It's, he has, Hebrews 11 says he don't even really know where he's going. Now neither do you and I. We trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And here's another truth. You ready? The world don't know where it's going either because they walk in darkness. And 1 John chapter 1 says how do we know that we know him? Because we walk in the light as he is in the light. And so the world don't know where they're going. But see, God, in the person of Jesus Christ, Jesus said in, uh, in John chapter number 13, He says, I am come a light into the world, that whosoever cometh to me should not abide in darkness. John 8, 12 says, I am the light of the world. Whosoever shall follow after me shall have the light of me. So He is the light of the world. He's the light. So I don't know where I'm going. And the world don't know where they're going. There's only one way that I can know the way to go. And then we could add, as we all know it so well, John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way. And so how do I know the way? And how will I know which way to walk? We must simply, and this is going to sound kind of crazy according to today's psychology and philosophies of this postmodern age, is that we need to stop thinking and start trusting what God has written in His Word. Amen? So is that really biblical? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding in all thy ways. What is that? The way I live, the way I walk, the way I talk, the way I dress, what I do, how I think, how I feel, what makes my worldview, what makes it all make sense. In all thy ways acknowledge Him. And He shall direct thy paths. Hey, if you're lost this morning, and I, I, I mean that in, in, the, in, in the most simplest sense, it's because you don't know the way. That's why. You say, well, do, oh, you think you know the way, Josh. No, I do not know the way, but I know who does. And there's a lot of times, you wouldn't believe, I'm getting a little older now. I've, been, I've, I've, I've sat in a few counseling sessions, and I'm not, saying, I'm not at all saying I'll come to anything. I'm just saying I'm gaining some experience. <laughs> and here's what I've noticed a lot. I don't even know how to fix people's problems either. Because I can't even fix my own, Jason. If you're lost this morning, 
It's because you don't know the way. And the only way to find the way is to stop worrying about how you feel and stop worrying about what you see and quit worrying about what you think and follow Jesus in the way. This is the way. This is the way. So back, back on the sermon, you hear? So Abraham leaves a more civilized country and enters into a world of danger, spiritual darkness, paganism, all kinds of crazy stuff going on. So there's a lot of people think, you know what, I want to come to, I want to, come to Jesus Christ because I want my life to get better on earth. But you're, if you come to Jesus Christ, listen, don't come to Jesus for your own self-interest. That's humanism. Don't come to Jesus Christ because you want your life to get better. Then you think that Jesus and God is, is your servant. That He exists to make your life just easy. Like, you cast in a lottery ticket. Don't come to Jesus like that. No, you, you as a matter of fact, you can't come to Jesus like that. You can't come that way. Because if, if you don't come denying yourself and taking up a cross, you can't be his disciple. So you can't even come that way. There's a lot of rich young rulers, and everybody in America is rich, whether you realize it or not. They don't come to Jesus, and they go away sorrowful because they have much riches. What's that mean? Life is easy. I don't want it to get hard because here's the truth that's often not said. Coming to Jesus in this life is the end of yourself in this life. Coming to Jesus Christ in this life could be the beginning of earthly sorrows. Coming to Jesus Christ in this life means that you will be persecuted for Jesus' sake. Coming to Jesus Christ by faith in this life is no longer following the world, it's following Jesus. And when you don't follow them, the world, young people, turns against you. They turn against you. Why is Abraham following the Word of God? He's simply following God through obedience and faith. Not yet, Hebrews 11 says, that he had yet to receive the promise. He simply believes God in spite of what he sees, in spite of how he feels, in spite of what he thinks. He, by faith, just believes God. I think if we could add a commentary from Hebrews 11, I'm about through the story of Moses. Moses was rich. He had two Teslas. Rich. Amazingly rich. Lived in Pharaoh's house. He's he's one of those rich people. He's so rich... The law don't even apply to him. He's so rich. He's so rich. He can do anything he wants. That's how rich he is. But the Bible says, by faith Moses forsook Egypt. And he esteemed, he valued, appreciated the reproaches of Christ far greater than the riches that he could have in Egypt. And by faith he forsook it all. Choosing Rather, to suffer affliction with the people of God 
than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Listen, remember at the beginning, let's, let's go back to the front and we'll be through. You can't, you can't determine what the future is based on what you're going through right now. Now remember, that's key. You can't determine your future destiny based on what you're facing right now, whether that be good or whether that be bad. Because let's look at Moses. Moses could have had the riches of Egypt, but Moses would have died a pagan, godless soul. And he wouldn't now be and enjoy the riches of Christ forevermore. You can either pay now or play later or play now and pay later. You can have your cross now and then get a crown, or you could crown yourself king of the universe, and you don't need a God, but one of these days you'll have a cross of torment forevermore. There's no way to get out of it. There's no way. No way. So you can't determine today, based on your current circumstances, what it's going to be like tomorrow. You might have everything in the world, but if you don't have Jesus, you are so poor. You might have all the health in the world, but listen, I'm 41 now, I'm middle-aged, but I'm starting, don't laugh at me if you're older than me, but you remember, I'm starting to feel like I don't want to bend down anymore. You remember? You'll see, Nathan Jackson, you'll see. I'm starting to feel like I don't want to roll out of the bed anymore. Yesterday morning, that's a sleeping day, you know, that's Saturday morning. Yesterday morning, them three kids nailed our up before daylight. What are they doing? I walk through the house. There they are. <laughs> they're, they're, they're there. But it don't matter what's going on today. You think, well, I can live forever. You don't know that. You won't in this life. So why would Abraham leave comfort and enter into a world of discomfort? Because he, by faith, knew that God had something greater for him than what could ever be found in the riches of the Ur of Chaldees. Remember, by faith, Abraham was looking for a city that hath foundations whose builder and maker is God, Hebrews 11. And Abraham thought, no matter how good life is, it can't be better than what God has for me. No matter how amazing my life is right now, it, can, it will not compare Jude 24 to the glory that shall be revealed in us. It doeth not yet appear what we shall be, does it? Many sorrows, hardships, and afflictions, but we do know when He doth appear, we shall be like Him. Amen? Amen. God shall, by His own hand, wipe away every tear from our eyes. Amen? And sometimes you as a Christian, you don't know why you've gone through the things that you've went through, the suffering you've felt, the pain that you've experienced, and the loss that you've had. But one of these days, in Jesus' name, he will make it all so good and glorious over there. Amen. Keep following Jesus through Canaan land. Even though we've yet to receive the promise, one of these days there'll be a payday someday. Amen? Amen. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of thy reward. One of these days, I'm going to see Jesus face to face, the one who saved me by His grace. Say, so well, you've had hard days. I'll have many more. One a while, I'll have harder days. I know I will. There'll be some tough days ahead. But one of these days, I'm going to see Jesus. And it'll melt it all away. You know it? Is it worth the trade? 
absolutely, absolutely. Jesus stands before us this morning and He's calling you out of a life of comfort and ease into a life of obedience, a life of fellowship with Him. If you'll hear His Word, those who have ears to hear it, and leave your life of self-control that promises you a life of comfort and all your own self-interest and self-preservation even, leave it all behind and follow Jesus in the way. No longer live into yourself. No longer what you want and what your ideas are. But you follow Jesus because He has better, He has a better plan than you got. He does. Forget what you think. Do you hear His Word? You know, that's a miracle to be saved, isn't it? Jace, when he called me out of darkness into the light, I wasn't much. I was just a little bit younger than you. I had no idea what God was doing. But I tell you what, when he said, you come to me, Josh, you come to me, in that moment, I felt like I would have given, by the grace of God, all the money in the world to get Jesus in that moment. Because the Holy Spirit and His mighty work and the gospel of Jesus, it showed me by faith that a bloody, suffering Jesus was greater riches than all the world could ever give me. If I could have Him and give it all behind, I could have everything I've ever needed. And I can tell you it's a truth, and I'm about through, but listen, it is true that He, He in the heart, gives you more than any earthly achievement could ever give you. He in the heart gives you more than any money that you could ever have, any hobby that you could ever do. To have Jesus is to have everything, have everything. So leave your land behind and come to the promised land. Say, I don't know what it is. I can't see it. Just trust and obey. Believe God. There might be hardship in the land. Yes, there will be. But that's why we're living by faith and not by sight. You just come to Jesus. Christian, keep walking the path. Keep on going. It'll be worth it over yonder, won't it? One of these days now they're going to say, we made it by the grace of God. Amen. It'll be wonderful there, won't it? It'll be wonderful there. Amen. Follow Jesus. This morning I want to invite you, if you don't know Him as Savior, as we prepare an invitation I want to invite you to leave your life behind and by faith surrender your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. To leave everything behind. All your self-interest and all your comfort and all your riches and to leave it behind and come to Jesus Christ. Why would you do that? Because Jesus has a better plan for your life than you do. And if your life's going good right now without Jesus, I'm telling you it's fool's gold and the devil's got you bought into it. Because it's appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. And what would it profit if you gained the whole world but lost your everlasting soul? It's for nothing, isn't it? preacher in Ecclesiastes said, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. It's for nothing. If you don't know Jesus, it's all for nothing. It'll all melt away in fervent heat. Peter said, amen. It'll all be destroyed. This morning, if you're a Christian, I want to encourage you. If you've already received the Lord Jesus and you left your old life behind, I want to encourage you to keep on following Him. Obey Him. 
Don't matter what you think, no matter what you feel, don't matter what you see, you just keep following Jesus. If you're a Christian, this is the wonderful news. What you're experiencing today is not compared to the glory which shall be revealed in you, Romans 8, 17. It shall not be compared. Pain or good, no matter what you feel today, will not even touch what God has prepared for those who love Him. Amen. Follow Jesus. Amen. If you've never been born again, I'd love to help you. I'd like to meet you here. If you might say, Brother Josh, I've never been saved. I'd like to help you. I'd like to take you to Jesus Christ and there, through faith alone, receive Him as your Savior. Amen? If I can help you, I'd love to. Let's stand. It's time to leave your old life behind. Just do it. Just follow Jesus in the way.